So how you doing? You doing good? All right, so we're talking about salt and light this morning, and we're going to start with... You are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. Vosotros sois la sal de la tierra. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing but to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The light of the world. Vosotros sois la luz del mundo. The city on top of the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people. So they can see the good things that you do and praise your Father, which is in heaven. Let the light shine before the people. Let your light shine before people. And let your light shine before people. So they can see the good things that you do and praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. The salt. <laughs> that sounded familiar. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today is the idea that we are to be salt and light in this world. To kind of get what we're looking at in the Sermon on the Mount is just, it's powerful and there's a lot in it. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Beatitudes um, and, and what a Beatitudes kind of Christian would look like. This is Jesus outlining for us. This is what the expectation is. This is what uh, a Beatitudes kind of Christian is. So, so what that looks like is that we recognize that we have brokenness in our life, that we need God, that we can't do it alone, that, that we've got to reach out. And, and in order to do that, we've got to understand that, that, that we've got issues and, and things that we need to confess and turn over. It's called repentance, which simply means to turn away from, to turn away from an old lifestyle or, or a thing that God is, is trying to get us to deal with. And when we do that, we're going to feel a sense of loss. When we let, even sin, <laughs> some, some of my sins were fun, you know. <laughs> they hurt later, but <laughs> you know, and, and so some, but some of the things that, that get in the way of my relationship with God, everything's not a horrible, terrible thing. Sometimes I, I, I can put things between me and God, which, by the way, is what sin is, is anything that separates me from God. And it's easy to put things that you might characterize as, well, that's a good thing. But if it's interfering with your relationship with God, then you need to look at that. And some of the things we have to let go, we need to mourn that loss. And then we look at the world. You know, Corey did a great, you know, when we think about the darkness that is in our world today, and how big that is. The sin that covers out, you know, all that's going on all around the world. And we've seen evidence of that from all the shootings and all of the, all the stuff, you know, terror around the world. It's big. It's a lot of darkness going on. And, and that hurts our heart when we start to see like Jesus sees. It, and you see all this evil, it's like, man, let's do something about it. And he did, by the way. He sent us. But that should. It does for me when I start to think about how big this is. It's like, man, I can't. That's bigger than me. I am not big enough. And it's a humbling process. And being a Christian is, is to walk in humility. 
to walk humbly before our God. When we do that, we recognize that the, the solution, the answer is him. That he does have the strength. That he does have the power. That he is righteous and he's holy. And so I want other people to experience the thing that he gives to me. So I go out of my way to try to get people to understand about this God of mine. This God of ours. And how much he wants to be in relationship with us. And, and how much he wants us to move away to let the old life go and enter into a new life. To let go of the past and the stuff that keeps us bound so that we can become a new creation in him. And I want folks to experience that. And that's what drives me. It's what drives me. How do you experience that? How can I, you know, and it's through music. We get to experience the presence of God. You know, we prayed this morning for the, for the music to be the tip of the spear. You know, sometimes we come in with a hard heart. And we need something, just poke a little hole in there so the Holy Spirit can go, thank you. The prayer time can do that. We want for others what we've experienced ourselves. And we have a peace that other people look at. How can you be at peace in the midst of going through that loss? How can you be, be at peace when you're, when you're dealing with the loss of a child or, or the loss of a grandchild or, or the loss of a job or the loss of a marriage or the loss? Of, how can you be, have any peace in the midst of that? And the answer is because Jesus Christ is my Savior and I know that he's in it with me and he's going to walk me from this point to this point. He's never ever, ever going to let me go. He's never, ever, ever going to let you go, babe. He's with you. I don't know what you're going through. I can tell you completely and with total confidence that God is with you in it. God is with you in it, Patty. He's not going to let you go, and we want people to experience that. So they look at us, and they go, how do you have peace? Well, I've got a Savior. I've got a Savior who loves me. I've got a Savior who loves me so much that he died for me, and he extends grace and mercy to me, even though I don't deserve it. God's unmerited favor, grace. God's love and grace is greater than all our wrong choices. Did you know that? You know what all means? God's love and grace is greater than every wrong choice we've ever made. And he wants us to walk with him. He wants us to have peace in our relationships. He wants us to spread that peace to others. We're talking about salt and light here a little bit. We, to be that, to carry this lifestyle that he's just reflected to us in the Beatitudes, to carry that with us everywhere that we go. Some folks are going to make fun of us, though, by, and, and Jesus is clear about that when he says, you're going to be persecuted. People are going to call you names. That's going to happen. But you know what else he said? Don't worry about that. They've been doing that to my people for ever. 
They've been, they, the prophets came, and what they do with the prophets is, you know, they treated them very, very poorly. Jesus came. And we love you, Jesus, as long as you're doing what we want you to do. We love you. Heal us. Make us make, help me to see. Feed me. All of, I love you. I love you. I love you. Change your life. <laughs> Hold on, bud. You may, you may think that you're somebody special, but just because your name is Jesus doesn't make you. And what they do to him. Crucified him. But we at our core want what Jesus wants for ourselves, for our families, for our workplaces, for our schools, for everywhere that we go. We want them to experience this Christ of ours. We want them to experience what that means. So we become willing to be an example. So that, that's where we were. And then we reach this point of becoming willing. I want to be an example that other people can look to. And I hope when they look at me, they see him. We become salt and light in a world that desperately needs both. This world needs some flavoring and they need... Some illumination. There are millions of people in this world who will never, ever pick up a Bible. Did you know that? It may be billions who will never pick up a Bible. They aren't believers. They see no need to spend any time reading about a God that they don't believe in, a God that, that they don't think exists. That's just the way it is. It's human nature not to spend time on things we don't value. So if I don't value the Bible, I'm not going to spend time in the Bible. For the last two weeks, Jesus has been explaining to us what a Christian's going to look like. Some of those character traits are internal. Humility. Some of those, though, are visible to others. A saying you may have heard is that we as Christians might be the only Bible someone ever reads. You might be the only Bible that someone ever reads. Might be you. Each of us will choose to live a life that reflects Christ or a life that doesn't reflect Christ. Our family will either see Christ in who we are, and that doesn't mean getting it right all the time. I think in Bible study in class this morning, we're talking about do you get it right every t- all the time? What do you guys decide? No, <laughs> we don't get it right all the time. But that's not the point. The point is, what do you do when you get it wrong? Do you act like you got it right? Not if you're following the way of Christ. You don't. You, you the forgiveness and repentance piece is a visible piece within the context of our family. Uh, As parents, we need our kids to see that we don't do it right all the time, but when we get it wrong, we show this is what you do with that. And we seek God and we seek forgiveness and we seek to show our kids how this Christian life is lived, really. Not just 
the we get up and go to church on Sunday morning and, and then we get home and we do whatever we want life. That's not the Christian life. That's something else. The Christian life is that this is a 24-7 thing that we do all the time. And when we mess up, our family, by the way, is going to know it anyway. So we might as well <laughs> just deal with it in a healthy, in a Christian way. Jesus will meet us wherever we are. God's love and grace is greater than all our wrong choices. God's love and grace will meet us wherever we are. So when we live this out, then other people are going to see it, and the people who see it the most are those around us. School, work, they see it. Home, they're going to see these things in us, and they're watching. They're watching. When we reflect Christ, that's what's meant by being salt and light. We're reflecting Christ because that's, that's what we're about. In, in the time of Jesus, salt was related to three qualities in people's minds. This is a long time ago. You know, they, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't even have the Internet. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even Google stuff. How do I keep my meat from spoiling? They <laughs> I mean, how did they live? It's just horrible. How many of y'all have been your whole life with internet? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Salt was most commonly used to preserve food before, before we were able to, to use other means. And by the way, Noah, you were correct. They would dig a hole because it's it's cool. uh, in the basement, they'd put the stuff in the cool place. And that was good that you went, oh, wait, he's right. <laughs> but that's not the kind of thing we're talking about, although they did hang the salted meat in those cellars because it would, doubly, it would help preserve it. Meat would decay without salt. It can do nothing else. Think about that. Meat decayed without salt. It can do nothing else. The world without salt will what? Isn't that amazing? Jesus, this is written a long time ago. What do we see in our world today? We see decay at the core of it. The world without salt will decay. Who's the salt? We are. So when we choose not to live as Christ would have us to live, we see decay. Another thing about salt is that salt helps eliminate the blandness of food. I used to, uh, you know, at one point I, had, I was diagnosed in my early 20s with diverticulitis, and back then it was, okay, you can only eat bland food. Let me tell you, anybody ever been on a bland food diet? Ugh. Horrible. Horrible. Salt helps eliminate the blandness of food. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. 
I'm so grateful that you've chosen to join us this morning. <laughs> I'm here today to tell you about the joy of the Lord. <laughs> the joy of the Lord lights my path, leads me in ways of righteousness for his name's sake, puts a smile on my face like this every day. No, that's not, you know, Jesus didn't say that, yeah, okay, when you let go of that stuff, you can't enjoy anything ever. We went to a concert with a friend of mine uh, a, a long time ago, and, and he was, he'd been in the church a long time, but, but he was getting on fire for Christ, and, and so we, we went to a concert, we went to Leonard Skinner concert, and, and there was four of us that went, and, and we'd had a ball. It was just a, a blast, and as we're leaving, he said, you know, I didn't know that Christians could do this. <laughs> yes, we get to have fun. We get to go places, and we get to play. You know, if, if you're able to, you can go play. <laughs> you know, and whenever Mike's playing, if you're in the vicinity, you need to go see he and Ron Kimball. But we add flavor. That's part of the salt thing. Being the salt means that that in a world that doesn't know what to do and tastes so bad, we're part of the answer to that, is us. And the Romans, uh, purity is the third. The Romans considered salt the purest of elements when it came um, from the purest of locations, which back then was the sea. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It becomes corrupted by other elements that dilute its saltiness. Let me say that again because that's, let that one sink in for a minute. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It becomes corrupted by other elements that dilute its saltiness. Jesus is, is something, isn't he? All he says is be salt and light, and what is he saying? Oh, my goodness. Christians should be the person who hold aloft this standard of purity in thought, in speech, in action. The world is going to try to corrupt us. It is. You know, I joked about Google, but my goodness, I, I can't even imagine growing up in this age. You know, as much trouble as I've been <laughs> into without that stuff, you know. Um, Pray for pray for our our youth and and our young adults and and in this era, you know. Purity, salt. So if we're not the salt, what does the world look like? Decayed, bland, impure. Boy, we better get to it, huh? But it doesn't stop there because he also says, you are the light of the world. And I was going to, as an illustration, black out the whole room and get the emergency lights out and turn out the light just to make a point that make it completely dark where there's not any light in here and do what kind of Corey was doing. And then shine a light. And everywhere that the light shined, you know what would have happened? There would be no darkness. When we turn the lights, you see the lights are up this morning. It's light in here. 
Where there's light, darkness flees. And we're to be the light of the world. We're supposed to be that light. A light is seen. There's no such thing as secret discipleship for either the secrecy destroys the discipleship or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. That's Barclay. Our Christianity should be visible, should be seen by other people. Other people should see it. A light is a guide. A light guides us to different places. A light in a storm. You ever been shipwrecked in your life? I don't mean literally. Well, maybe you have, but I think most of us have been figuratively shipwrecked at one point or another. Didn't see the rocks coming. Needed light to guide our way. A light can be a warning as well. Part of our role as Christians is to warn. Now, we can't control anybody, but we can warn people. The path you're on is a path that's not going to be good for you. See, the message this morning is not complicated. We're, what, what are we to be? Salt and light. It's not, not difficult. What does that mean? I know it means a lot. So to, to be the salt means season. We bring flavor. We preserve. We purify. That's what we do. If we're not involved and you see decay and all the things that are going on, what does light do? eliminates the darkness, takes away the darkness. That's what Jesus is asking of, of us. It's not complicated, but it ain't easy either. Because it's going to require us to get out of our comfort zone, to engage in, in, in the world, to become public Christians. Yikes. You mean people, people are going to know that I'm a Christian? Yes. Yes. Let people know that you're a Christian. It's a good thing. When Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers, you know who that should be? Me, you, us. We're the helpers. We're the ones that bring flavor into this world. We're the ones that make a difference. We bring light. We're supposed to be one of those helpers. And that's going to look a little different for each of us, right? Because our, in our public Christianity, uh, maybe somebody like a pastor, someone like me, who's very visible, you know, um, if, uh, you know as a, with being Reverend Divine, you would assume that I'm probably a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, you would think, you know, if you're going to be a pastor, you probably have a Christian church, then you probably ought to be a Christian. So, so I'm pretty publicly a Christian. Not everybody's a pastor, though, right? So where you are, if you're a construction worker, then you may not be as out there as, as what I am. Maybe your public Christianity is in one-on-one -on -one relationships or in, in smaller groups or that kind of thing, but, but don't hide it. In your family, live this out. What does that look like in my family? How do I live as a Christian? How do I bring salt and light into my family? Moms and dads who intentionally make time to show their kids who God is. Who God is. And it can be any combination of any of that or something else. 
God has a calling in your life, and it's not to be a secret Christian. It's to be a public Christian. It's to live this faith out. It's to be salt and light in the world. So the circumstances of being salt and light, where that's lived out, are not the main thing. The main thing is that we bring salt and life into lives in such a way that God uses that to reach others. That's the point. Be that. Live that out. The message is a paraphrase of the Bible, but sometimes it hits home runs. And so let me read this to you. This is our passage this morning out of the message. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Isn't that cool? Here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine, shine, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. That's what we're talking about. That's it. That's, in a nutshell, that's what it looks like to be salt and light. In order to do this, though, we need to engage with one another and, and to live out this salt, life, salt, salt light life. And community is the core to that. And you've heard us talk about grow groups a lot lately. Brad and Corrine have a Tuesday evening small group, and this is them. 